Thank you for joining. Satsang, it is simply to sit with the truth and to focus upon what is true. That means to come to, to, to touch what is who we are essentially, beyond the facade of persona, beyond what we take ourselves to be. The common experience, our common experience is of is that we are we are a person and that we are living a very particular unique life in which we seek a very unique uh, form of happiness. But is it really true that we are this person who we take ourselves to be? <laughs> we are perceiving, we are constantly perceiving a world but are we not perceiving based on our likes and dislikes? Everybody is striving for happiness. The innate urge of human consciousness is that it is looking for its happiness in one way or the other. But largely we end up in a lot of pain. Striving for happiness, it's as though we end up with a lot of trouble. In the mode of a person, which is, you can say, a fragmented functioning of consciousness, it is always seeking something or the other. We are either seeking happiness or some form of fulfillment. Physically, you probably want to be healthy. Mentally, you want to be happy. Emotionally, you want to be loved or to love. And even if all these three aspects are fulfilled, the human being probably want enlightenment. It's never enough as though the sense of what we are is constantly, there is a constant urge to expand, to discover, to go beyond the present experience. And whatever we seem to experience, whatever, whatever happiness we seem to taste, it goes away. Nothing seems to stay. So it's as though it is always on the run for something or the other. In satsang, we are basically trying to focus to the root of that seeking, what creates the run or what sets, sets us on the run. And to come to question ourselves a little deeper, to question the very reality of this idea called I, what we are constantly referring to. It is a very accepted way of functioning uh, 
that nothing in the outside world points us to that direction because the the, the currency of the of the world you can say the language of the world is separation yeah. so everybody is functioning based on the idea that i am so and so i am this person but if you take a closer look the i who identifies itself to be so and so is it not a bundle of memories i was born in a particular place a particular family at a particular point of time and place and someone gives me a name and i begin to think it is me and from then all different conditionings are pouring in you can say socio cultural are bringing and slowly we begin to develop a very unique sense of me and we begin to classify and label everything compartmentalizing begins mm. it always torn between good and bad between virtue and vice the intellect in a, in a, in a, you can say in the fragmented state of being a person the intellect is always torn between what is good and bad there is contradiction there is conflict when we have food we take some food after it is chewed you have to up, until then you can feel it you enjoy it after that you're not conscious of anything the body processes it it absorbs it and discards what is not necessary if we are if we, the liver is not asking you what to do no other body part is asking you what to do now if the mind can function the same way that means without any interference of thought then there is no conflict you are at a cross road and you are wondering like okay should i go left or should i go right you don't know so you say okay maybe i go left i go left then the mind is saying no 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 you should have gone right <laughs> no by habit we give a lot of importance to that voice in the head there's nothing wrong with it it's just that as long as we rely on the as long as we energize and fuel the psychological noise no? then we can never experience the real joy of being alive the true happiness is not a sensorial or an intellectual gratification of senses it cannot be it is not a, it's not a transient feeling or an emotion 
or an experience of based on anything which is outside you it is even it is it, in reality it has nothing to do with our idea of happiness it is it is beyond happiness and its opposite sorrow largely what we are after is is in fact pleasure we are not really after the true happiness even though that is what we are fundamentally looking for because we we constantly looking based on the filter of likes and dislikes and what what you like because we think what what i like makes me happy and what i don't like uh, disturbs me so where does it come from where does it begin <coughs> in practice it's very simple it is to it is to question it is to look to observe the very idea of what i take myself to be because we are constantly perceiving we cannot switch off the perception and all perceiving is basically centered on one point called i we just we, we go on repeating this word so many times without any clue what it is and everybody does it and it is granted that we, you know when we meet it's like hey i'm so and so i've come from this place and uh, this is what i do the very mode of interaction is a person meeting person which is fine but there is a deeper you which is to be discovered and it is the same as discovering your happiness because it is not your happiness you are that happiness the true happiness is none other than you the true peace is none other than you it is it's it's a little difficult for the mind to grasp it because the mind is only is basically a tool to grasp the external objective knowledge and all what we know and all we what we think we are is based on the knowledge which is already there it has its arena of functioning which is in the practical uh, world of survival it is a necessary tool but the sensing feeling perceiving mechanism called ego hmm? it is an apparatus of perception but when we become identified with that perception we become unaware of who we are so the state of person is in fact it is in fact a state of forgetfulness the very idea that i am me um this is my name i'm john or whatever this is where i come from that very idea obliterates that which is already there this is a game consciousness plays nobody put into you is nobody to blame because it is much of it is inbuilt 
and it is also strengthened uh, through our conditioning. That is how consciousness sets out on an imaginary journey, that it has to forget itself by hypnotizing itself into a limited form called me, a person. Then it goes out seeking happiness or fulfillment and finally it exhausts all its experiences, comes to a saturation of experiences, therein it begins to begin its journey backwards and that is the returning, then it's looking for home, it wants freedom. Nothing else satisfies him anymore. Just the natural progression of life is so, that first there is initially there is a sense of becoming of somebody or something, then there are ambitions, there is passion, you are driven by passion. In that mode, consciousness goes through experiences. You're ever seeking fresh experiences. And you experience, experience, you have all experience. And you come to see, actually, I've experienced everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm still, I'm not really happy. Then it, it begins, the question arises, then, then what is the truth of this dream? Yet everything seems to be a dream. And if you look closely, it is a dream. What is memory, if you look at? Where is it? What is more so valuable to us? No? That, gives, that which gives continuity to the idea of who you are is memory. The memory of yesterday, today, last year. But where is it? The fact is, we are constantly perceiving from memory. You see, the state of person is constantly perceiving from memory, from what happened. We are actually perceiving the present from the past and projecting into the future. This is how the mechanism of ego keeps itself on the run. Once the belief comes in place that I am this body, I am this person, then begins the search. And all search is fundamentally this one search. The man who is going to the bar to have a drink, or the one who is going to climb the Everest mountain, or the one who takes up in one corner, he's taking to meditation. All looking for one thing. What, what is it? Fulfillment, can we say fulfillment? Or stability, it's just different names for the same thing. Happiness. So in this changing field of name and forms, is there anything called permanence. Where do we find lasting stability? Stability which cannot be shattered. You see? 
in the sense when you're a person, each day you feel different. Is it not so? The mind feels different every day. Even throughout the day, morning it may feel like this, afternoon it may feel like that, evening it feel like this. So happy, sad, it's always shifting shades and grades. And we are identified to that which is fundamentally changeful. The simple fact to recognize is only this. No, this is not philosophy. It's a very simple thing. But the very fact is that you are not your mind. Now, how do we come to recognize this fact? The only possible way to recognize it is to leave aside the fiction. And what is the fiction? The fiction is what I take myself to be. That is meditation in its, uh, in its very direct terms. Meditation is to recognize the false for what it, what it is. And the clarity comes from that fundamentally. Clear seeing, you see, it is not about pleasant or unpleasant. Largely the mind, you can say the ego mechanism, it always looks for pleasant. It wants a practice, a meditation practice probably to enhance or upgrade its sense of being. It, it goes on looking for techniques to, to enhance its present state. But to discover the freedom and the peace, you see, you, the only possible way is to override that mechanism, what we call ego. Now, as long as it is just a word, we cannot even recognize what it is. The ego itself can say ego. It is just a word. But how to recognize the ego? As long as you are in the mind, you cannot recognize him. Because you, there's only one place from where you can see the ego. <coughs> and it is nowhere else but this one moment. But as long as you are in time, you cannot see what is time. Only when you come to a detached viewing, only when you come detached from that idea of being an experiencer, then alone you see it for what it is. So how to come detached? Hmm? It's just by paying attention actually, it's not, uh, not rocket science, very simple. It's just to observe the mind. If you observe the mind, you are actually observing you. You in the sense, the idea you have of yourself. That means you are observing the content of your consciousness. 
because all this is observable. We never observe ourselves like this. We never look at ourselves like this. We take, we give full credibility to whatever we perceive. We think it is all true. Slowly, as you begin to observe, it takes some time if you're not used to it, but it's very inherent in anyone. Even a child can see it. But it's just that, you know, the mind, the conditioned mind, it is a little difficult to switch position. And largely, we don't want to let go that idea. The I, me idea, we don't want to let go. We just want to continue the play. But the very key is to shift the attention to that which is always here. Always here, it only to imply the only permanent link in all experiences. What can it be? Experience is changing. The one who is experiencing also seems to be changing. But there is something which is not involved in any experience. And that is the only permanent link in a stream of events. What we normally refer to as life is a stream of events from one point of time to another point of time, birth to death. This is our common understanding of life. And in that, you know, there is the idea of success and happiness and all sort of human values. We somehow, we are struggling to fit ourselves. That's the human game we play. But freedom, the true freedom is freedom from time. It's not like you become supernatural. No, you become, you're very natural. It is just a natural state, it's nothing but a natural state where there is no interference of thought. You're not molested by the psychological noise. You're simply here, but not as a person. Because the very recognition of it, the person dissolves. And that is why it is the least discovered, even though it is open to all. It is the birthright of all. But only very few wakes up to it. Recently someone come to me and I said to them, she was talking to me she, in India, so we had a little talk and she mentioned some difficulties. So I said to her, you know, you know your only mistake is to is that you believe that you are born. So she laughed and she said to me, Vishwa, you go say this this thing in Europe, they will put you in a in a psychoanalysis. <laughs> But it is a living experience, you come to see that in yourself. You know? 
you continue as a body, it is here and it needs the basic necessities. Everything is valid, it's fine. But nothing is in conflict with anything. You are in this world, but you are not of this world. You accept the very, you can say, the gamut of human experience and everything in all, all shades and varieties. You're not, you see it for what it is. You are also in it, but you are not in conflict with it. The world of name and form continues, but you are in a place untouched by time and its transitory dance, the illusory dance of yesterday, today and tomorrow. And then you see that actually everything is happening perfectly. There is nothing mystical about anything. What you call, normally we refer to a synchronicity that things happen like this. Just how things happen. You see that it, everything is following an order. There is a great order in things. And there is an intelligence at work. And you don't have to push life around. Because the very assumption that I am other than life creates the conflict. And in that mode, it is screaming for attention through our own self-assertion. It screams for it. That is simply how it maintains its grip, through self-assertion. So self-inquiry is a powerful tool to come out of that, you can say, the state of conflict or incompleteness to recognize uh, who we truly are, actually, or the truth of this moment. And that is basically through questioning, questioning oneself. In a way it's very direct and very simple also. Very direct in the sense all you have to see in self-enquiry, because we never enquire, we never question this idea, this I idea. The very fact that you can observe it in the line of perception, you can observe yourself. Are we aware of this? Can you observe yourself at this moment, sitting in the room? Can you look at this, this setting from outside this body? It's not an out-of-the-body experience. It's just very simple. If you can just look, you can see it. Just that it is there in everyone, it's just that we haven't, we haven't paid enough attention, that's all. By, through enquiry, there is a shift happening, there is a shift in emphasis. Largely, we are emphasizing, we are fueling the personal me. It's just a shift from the person to that in which the person appears. Some call it consciousness, some call it God, some call it whatever. 
But before we name it, it's just to look and see, can we discover what is always here. For that, we have to observe the motion of change, to, to relentlessly observe yourself. It's not a very strainful thing. It's very natural. It can take some time to get used to that kind of a, uh, that kind of an observation. But once you get a hang of it, actually you come to see, wow, I can see all this. You can see your memories, your thoughts, your feelings, emotions. But you are none of this. If I can see this glass here, yes, it means a glass is an object of perception and I am here to see it. The same way, can we look at our thoughts? Can we look at our memory? Can you objectify your memory? In truth, it is an object, otherwise you won't be able to perceive it. The very fact that you can perceive your memory implies it is an object of perception. Same with feelings. Memory, feelings, thoughts, fundamentally. Emotions. These are all just passing in the screen of consciousness. The constant traffic, stimulations arise, the voice, and there is a voice which interprets everything also. It's a running commentary, is playing all the time, whatever is it. And largely it is from the memory. It's like yesterday this happened, that happened. Or this guy did that, or this guy did that. Oh, I should have done this. I should say this to him. If not, the memory, oh, tomorrow I'm going to go there, I'm going to say this. If you see, it is largely, it, is, it has no content at all. And this is the fuel for the ego mind. And unaware, we actually supply a lot of food for it and we strengthen it. And in turn, we suffer also from it. <coughs> so if you can observe your thoughts, that takes some observation to see that. If you can observe your thoughts, if you can observe your feelings and emotions and sensations, if you can observe yourself, you see, you can observe the idea of me who's experiencing day by day, yesterday I felt like this, today I feel like this, tomorrow I'll do that. You can, you're actually observing all this Who is there at the root of perception? Largely we are caught in the bubble of perception. The me looking with its own filter. And we try to squeeze life into a little bubble. And what happens is that we get disconnected from the existential reality. And what we are largely familiar with is only, it is the psychological reality of me and my story. It is history, you know. If there is a history, there is future. This moment is not in time. 
but the mind cannot grasp it. It is impossible for the mind to understand it because it is not the understanding of the mind. Only the timeless can recognize the timeless and only the timeless can recognize even the time. Something which is finite, something which is phenomenal, it cannot recognize what is eternal. So recognizing that, see, it is not the recognition of a person. Ambition is of the person, but liberation is from the person. There is only one thing which you can never lose. Whatever is born of time, it has to disappear one day. It's the same for this body. Whatever we'll see around will vanish one day. Yet we go on looking for happiness and satisfaction in a world of uh, transient, transient things. Sooner or later the happiness fades away and we go on looking for something more. So where do we come to rest? Is there at all something called rest? True rest which is not ruffled by external events. There is, but it is not an experience. You know? It's not an experience in a conventional sense. Because experience also comes and goes. A very simple way and a very direct way to recognize it is to look and see, first to recognize that all these are actually coming and going. Your memories, thoughts, feelings, emotions, everything is just passing. But actually, what sees it? What perceives all that comes and goes? What is perceiving all this? There has to be someone, there has to be something here. Not someone, but there has to be a principle which is constantly perceiving, but without which there is no perception. It, it perceives all that comes and goes. <laughs> Whatever comes and goes, it has really no meaning. It has the only meaning what we give it. We give meaning to whatever comes and goes and get trapped in, in everything that comes and goes. And we, and we forget where does all this appear. In truth, you are always here. In this moment, you are here. In its deepest sense, you and now are inseparable.
the whole world is appearing in you. So the very recognition of it removes fear from, from you can say, it, it removes the fear of life and it also removes the fear of death. Even though it can be simply said like this, I don't, th I don't know if there is any other recognition which is as profound as this. Because it is not a philosophy, it is not an ideology, it is, it is not even a religion. It's the, only, the only point of it is that the very recognition of it sets you free from this experience. It doesn't mean that you, you leave all experience and go somewhere. That can also happen. But the experience continues, but fearless. Then you're not making up anything. You come in natural tune with life. And your sense of beingness, your existence becomes effortless. Because you, you're realizing the oneness with pure intelligence, which is none other than life. So the very discovery is to, is to open the layers of the mind. And self-enquiry is such a tool to open the illusory layers of the mind. And to see it for what it is. When you, once you see it, it is not there anymore. It is only there as long as we believe it. So the classical spiritual, you can say all schools of the classical spirituality, it is that it, it, it accepts the seeker, it accepts somebody who is working his way towards liberation. Slowly, you can say there is a merging and union. But in self-enquiry, you question everything. You even question the seeker. <laughs> because from the, the highest point, there is not even a way. Because even a way is referring to time. Because it is so intimately near. Because you are al already here. You are actually reversing the game. And questioning the very belief that I am this person, I am going on a journey, I am coming back here. But you are always already here. And you are looking and recognizing how that mechanism works. The mechanism of perception. And through recognizing the functioning of the ego mechanism, you stop creating blockages. That's all actually. The bondage is just a belief, you see. What binds you, the root of the bondage is a belief. Once that is gone, whatever is relevant to that one belief vanishes.
Is it too much or it's okay? <laughs> she looks a bit sleepy there. <laughs> if you feel like, please feel free. a total beginner, you just observe. If you're totally new to inquiry, you just observe yourself in movement. You're doing everything, morning you wake up, you clean yourself, then you prepare your breakfast, normal schedule, whatever it is. Just observe, just observe. Not by giving too much attention to what you're observing, What would that mean? That means you, you don't get involved in what you're observing. So whatever seems to be happening is just happening. You're aware of it. It may disturb you, it may heighten, or it may give you bliss or happiness. Just observe it. Just observe it. It's all just passing. Just recognize this very passing nature. Of, of this experience. And if you can, a little deeper, you can just look and see what is actually observing. Who is here in this witnessing place? There is a principle, if we say pure witnessing, pure witnessing, witnessing is the nature of the self, we say. Yeah, witnessing. So witness means what? That, that you are in the road, there is some, somebody is fighting, you are not involved in the fight, you are just witness for the incident. The moment you run into the scene and try to put them apart, the guy, one, one guy may punch you, <laughs> you become a part of, the, of what is happening. Hmm? Same way, don't get involved in whatever is appearing in the screen of the mind. However painful, however beautiful, just be aware that you are aware of it. Simple. Just be aware that you are aware of this sensation. And if you can, you try to be more in that awareness. You're just aware. You're aware of the headache, but you are not the headache. Headache is there. You are perceiving the headache. The pain is there in the body. You may take a tablet or whatever. It is there, but there is a distance. This comes with some observation. You come to see that you're actually, you're not the one who is caught in this. You are the watcher of all this. 
Now this is just a way, you can say, of shifting the attention to that which is not involved in what is happening. But it's a very strong habit. We always run into the experience. We take the reading from the experience. This is happening and the mind will come up and say all these things. No, now you're not good enough. This happened to you. Da, 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 da. you know, we, we, you're so tuned in with that voice. So in enquiry, you negate everything. Negate means you don't pay attention to whatever you're perceiving. Why? Because by leaving aside all that what you're seeing, leaving aside the content of consciousness, you're actually paying attention to that which is perceiving. So there is a shift happens slowly. It takes a little time and it need not take any time at all. Because I'm not pointing to something which has to come from somewhere. No. It is already inherent in every being, in every individual. It is inherent that witnessing power is there. <coughs> Only time it requires is to let go the false ideas. To let go the person, the entire personal realm, the psychological noise. To let go and to be absorbed in the witnessing principle, that is where it takes some time. But if you're really done with the, with the noise, it will not take much time. But if you have still some interest in the person, and, you know, then the game will go on. But then you, that is why inquiry, it sharpens your discernment. The discernment is to see a thing for what it is. Pure cognition. Hmm? To recognize what is false for what is false. In one of the texts, I'm just referring to a text, it's called Ashtavakra Gita. In that sage Ashtavakra, he mentions it beautifully in two lines, just two lines, he says everything. He says, know that which is of form to be unreal. Know that which is of form to be unreal. Know the formless alone to be the real. What is he pointing to actually? He's saying, whatever you are seeing, whatever is observable, whatever is perceivable, is not true. Is not true. He's using words unreal. Why I say it's false, you see? It is false only in relation to what is true. Hmm? It is in the sense it is in movement. It is phenomenal. It has no inherent inherent life. It is just there, comes, goes. It has no being on its own. In relation to that which is always here. Is, if it has to be always here, it cannot be of a form. Because whatever is a form will change. Whatever is perceivable belongs to the realm of time and change. Whatever is born will change and 
and decay. Whatever appears, plays on and disappears. Everything comes, goes, comes, goes. It's the same for everything which is happening, which is registered inside also. Know that which is formless alone to be the real. And what is the formless one? Who is the formless one? You are the formless one. <laughs> you who perceive all that comes and goes. You are the formless one. And you don't believe me just because I say it. I'm only sharing with you something which I come to recognize in myself. Now you can use my theory. If Even if it is a theory for you now, you can... You know, like a science, science, they have an operational approach. You have a theory, you apply it, you see if it is true, you see if it is true or not. So what I'm saying is you can apply it and see if it is true or not. And it must be your recognition. It is, as long as it is from any books, from anyone else, it is not, it does not hold, uh, it does not have the strength of conviction. If it has to be true for you, it has to be your experience. So how will you recognize it, you see? In application it's simple. If you can just leave everything, if you can recognize, if you can discern what is moving and what is not moving. Now the recognition of the unmoving is fundamentally the recognition of what is moving. Your own formlessness is so obvious that you don't notice it. Your changelessness is so obvious that we don't notice it. It's like this. This is the, it's, this is the paradox somehow. It didn't bring me anything. It didn't bring me anything at all. <laughs> you see, it's a little bit like this. Uh, if I can say it, if it, it has brought me... Perhaps I came alive. <laughs> yes. And we can say, you know, it's as though you basically you come in rest within yourself. So you're not uh, you're not projecting anything into the future. So you're not worrying. You're not worried about the past. You're not anxious about the future. So you see, that's the. So did what did it bring me? It did it brought me nothing at all. But from the point of what, what I, how it was for me, there is no more, there's no more fear, basically, uh, about anything. <laughs> yes, in a way, yes. Once you come to see that you have no history, 
that you don't have a future, you don't have a past, you don't even have a present. There is no such thing called your happiness. All that is here is this one moment, which is now, and you are this moment. There is no, nothing can compare to to that recognition. Nothing whatsoever we know or we can think of can compare to the depth of that experience. That means you, you come free from division. So you're not looking at people and trying to, okay, this guy is like this, that guy is like this. You know, the, the analytical mind plays like this. It makes judgments, it looks at people and it's always comparing and, you know. <laughs> but it's such a relief to be not a person, basically. The person is there, it's just there. Just among one little, little, little bubble among multitudes of others, it is there. But you're not perceiving from the bubble anymore. You, Actually, what you see is just life, undivided. So in that, there is naturally there is love, there is compassion, or the, you can say the higher qualities of human expression. It is already there. And effortless. Because why? Because you come to see that no reference is you. No image is you. So if you're not taking a reference from, if there is no reference point, you are actually nowhere and everywhere. You see, the one who is perceiving this play, he's the same one in everyone. <laughs> and when he looks, he only sees himself, you see. He cannot see, he see the variations and differences and varieties also. See, when we can say when consciousness looks, it sees consciousness. When life looks, it only sees life. It, it is no, the tendency to compartmentalize and divide and oppose. The dichotomy of persona it just vaporize. And that is the power of true seeing, that you recognize your non-existence and your true existence as one undivided whole. You come to the very sanctum of the self. Indescribable joy. You're not happy, you're not, you're not looking for your happiness anymore. But what is joy? It's a sense of being vibrantly alive. <coughs> And you come to see that your functionings are, you know, there is no, you're doing many things, but there is no doer. So you don't, it, that mechanism is not there, you come to see it. And because of that, there is no expectations from any actions. Actions happen, but spontaneously. It comes to more a natural, spontaneous response to life. Like finding without searching. Mm -hmm. In a way, it is like this, yeah. 
you are in the world but you are in a way you are in a relationless relationship with the world so whatever you need just pops up and it goes back there is no tendency to keep it uh, compact you know is you know the library of a lot of knowledge right? you don't just empty you don't know anything but you don't have this constant craving to know something it is gone yet everything happens perfectly and you're actually witnessing and you can oh my god actually everything happens perfectly without you <laughs> and this is the beauty of it you see you're seeing your non-existence you you you're there yes of course you're there but in your viewing you see you're not viewing from that mode anymore you're looking from another place and what all you see is intelligence and beauty even in the worst case you see like okay you see how many even in the middle of chaos you see how many what is meditation it is just a conscious way of emptying oneself consciously through whatever practice you're actually detaching yourself with any identifications of body mind and the intellect so in effect it is emptying you come empty of all understanding and all knowledge and everything happens perfectly normally what we refer to as peace yeah. <coughs> normally what we refer to as an experience a peaceful moment is usually a short break uh, between two disturbed moments <laughs> so normally what we call pleasure is actually a short gap between two painful experience they complementary you see and the life in its um, in its dynamic expression you can say in the the world of name and forms it is always shifting to two opposite sides is pleasure and pain good and bad chak 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 so how to be in a world of opposites without opposition center hmm center what would be there at the center if we balance a stick it will find balance at the center suppose one side you have all the positive one side you have all the negative good bad virtue vice pleasure pain happiness sorrow where does it balance the center point what is there in mathematics if you look at it it's plus 1 plus 2 plus 3 minus 1 minus 2 minus 3 at the center is <laughs> zero yeah is zero so if you find the zero point in yourself that is what is referred to as the formless there is nobody there you see and that is the fact is that there is no anybody there 
it is nothing but imagination. The imagination, me, somebody who's living a life, it's imagination. When you come free from that illusory imagination of the psychological mind, you just life, there is only life. But inside, you're empty. The tendency to constantly define yourself is no more. So you're not trying to squeeze reality into verbal shapes. You're not trying to pack it into a framework of persona. You're coming to more a wider vision of what it is. No report, no remarks, no comments. You're just moving through a changing, shifting landscape. The content change as you move through, but you remain as you are. Any day, you see, the self, it, it, doesn't, it, it is the same any day. It was the same thousand years ago or ten thousand years ago. You can see even before the universe came into being, it is the same. And even after everything disappears, it is still the same. The now, you know, the potentiality of the whole cosmos is contained in this very moment. It's in a way, it's a hopeless run to go look in time to the source of time. <laughs> Maybe one day, we don't know, but <laughs> it's in a way, it's more logic. <laughs> to look for it in this very moment. pure cognition, in pure recognition, there is no one to see. There is no reference of the one who is looking. That means the perceiver, the ultimate seer, he cannot be seen. It is formless. That is why the one who sees, he dissolves in the seeing. The one who comes to the true seeing in himself, he dissolves in the seeing. There, is, there will be no more seer. There is just seeing. You could say there is pure witnessing. As you come to the more to the very heart of perception. There is seeing, but there is no one there to see. It is not metaphysics, it is a very simple fact, and anyone who come to the, who, who dare to d dive into the depth of oneself, 
in whichever tradition, in whichever form. I said it is not metaphysics, it is a very, it's actually a simple fact and anyone who care to look into the depth of oneself inevitably comes to the same recognition. No matter in which tradition, in which part of the world, it is the same. Your existence becomes, you can say, it becomes a dance and you're actually seeing the dance of existence. It is a dance, it is a, it is a trip, I don't know if it's the right word, but you can say it is a trip in itself. <laughs> it is psychedelic as it is actually. There's no need to look for any substance. If alone we come and see what is out there. But the illusion of time, you see, the illusion of time, it takes us away from it. Somehow it is like this. And what creates the illusion of time is the belief that I am so and so. It's like being in a house of gold. We go running looking for gold. Having always been home, we go looking for the way home. This is somehow the, the play of consciousness is like this. Because without forgetting itself, without imagining itself as something else, it cannot come awake to what it is. And somehow you can say it delights the most in recognizing itself. You can say it is what you refer to as bliss. It's more a very refined form of happiness. <coughs> there is a small verse, it's, a, it's called Drishya Viveka. It's from one of the the texts. It's a very simple verse. It's just in four parts. It actually says everything. It says, Drishya Viveka. Drik is the seer. Drishya is what is seen. Viveka, discrimination. The discrimination of the subject and the object. The seer and what is seen. The form is perceived, the form is perceived, the I is the perceiver. You perceive the object, 
the outside world, you can perceive it, the I is the perceiver. Second part, the I is perceived. The mind is the perceiver. So your mind is looking through your eyes and seeing the world of name and forms. One, the next part, mind with all its modifications is also perceived. The mind with all its modifications is also perceived. The modification of the mind, you can say a sense of elation or a sense of disturbance according to what you have come across in the, with the contact of your senses, what it generates, the impact it has on you, what registers inside your consciousness, the feeling, emotion, sensation, whatever it be, it is also perceived, he says. But this perceiver is not perceived. So if you take a verse like this, you don't have to try to understand it mentally. That is actually a map of your perception. You Can you locate yourself in that map? The most genuine way of approaching the, the very fact it is pointing to is to look and see where you are in that description. You can apply it as you move around, as you walk around. Who is the seer in reality? Perception is not only to see what is happening outside, but whatever is happening behind the eyes, you can say the inner world, it is also perceived. You can watch, you can it's a, the spot, the delusory spot. <laughs> Everything is perceived. But who is the seer? Can the seer be seen? Then who are you? Can you be that which is seen, or can you the one who is seen? That is not a question for the mind. The mind cannot process that question. Can the seer be seen? Whatever seen is not what you are. You are the pure subject. Can you be seen, in fact?
you can see the story is playing you can see the whole story playing in front of you normally we identify with the story and we overlook what is perceiving in which light is the story seen it's like the daylight makes everything visible but the light is not involved in what is happening but without the light there can be no anything here it is the same for the light of consciousness at the root the light of consciousness illumines every experience without the consciousness there can be no experience what you essentially are is pure consciousness the story is a product of imagination it is entirely mind made or made by human culture you can say it's not a crime but it is only to be free in that game the story can go on but the the mechanism that fabricates the story will disappear once the true power is recognized the ego cannot breed it cannot breathe uh, the stale air you can it cannot breathe the fresh air of the self it is nothing but a belief strengthened through habit reassertion self assertion and we are actually we're not aware through every experience we are actually making the self assertion so what is in the beginning what is necessary what is important is to detach the mind from the experience to detach yourself from the mind to detach yourself from the experience from the experience that's why such a question is given can the seer be seen you can apply it in your in your daily life when you're doing something you don't have to close yourself in a house to do that but as you move around in your daily activities you can be just aware that i'm seeing all this i can perceive all this uh, who am i actually who is to see you see the i we refer to at 15 years of age we look at the mirror and we say yeah me then 20 we look and we say yeah me 25 another me 30 another me 40 another me if we look back in retrospection if we take a uh, a little slice of i and look which i is actually true it is fundamentally a changing idea even the i which is now will be also change tomorrow it will be something else 
Five years from now, totally different. But we trust fully on something which is fundamentally changing. Can something which is fundamentally changeful, can it find the uh, changeless? How is it possible for it to find stability? It can experience short periods of stability, but it will, the opposite sets in and it goes one day ups, downs. So in that mode, you see, we are full of ups and downs. The, the, the fact is, what you are is not affected by any of this. Now recognizing that is to recognize what you are not, is to look and say, no, that is not true. And that is the power to recognize. By negating it, you stop feeding it. Even though we may have gone through periods of intense suffering and pain, the fact is, what you are was never affected by any of this and will never be affected by anything that can happen to this body or this mind. We have always been free. You have never been bound even. We can have a short break and then we can come back in another 15 minutes. It's good. And if anyone feel like asking questions or sharing anything, please feel free. I would like to have some response. Or if you feel like uh, the need to highlight a particular point or something needs to be clarified, anything at all, please feel free. <laughs> you were about to ask?
If somebody comes to snatch your wallet, you know, you don't stand and say like, oh, no, it just comes and goes. <laughs> you see, <laughs> you don't have to beat him, beat him up into a pulp, but you know, you do what is necessary at the moment, but you can forgive him, whatever it is. The main point is forgive. If somebody, somebody has done something to you, you don't have to carry the anger in you does not mean that right action is not required. You act the most rightful way. But when do you know that you have forgiven someone? How If you're carrying anger about something that happened, you see, then you're carrying some negative, uh, you can say, some judgment about that person. And that somehow creates disturbances in the mind. It comes up later as some kind of, you know, it pokes you. So the best way is to forgive whatever it is. Straightforwardness, forgiveness, kindness and uh, honesty. That's, you can say, why this is enjoined in many of the spiritual schools, because that is the fundamental, uh, the basic of turning the mind to the more rightful direction. And that is the higher qualities of the mind. So do what is necessary, but, you know... <laughs> you can observe it also, you can observe your response. You can observe your response, it does not mean that you don't act. You act, you do what is necessary. But you can, you're actually, if you're really stabilized in the seeing of it, you're doing what is necessary, the action comes out. And sometimes it's a reaction or it's spontaneous. You don't know where it comes from. But it is nothing personal in it. Nothing really sticks. It's registered, but it is not really so loud because you are more in the witnessing place than in the, in the uh, you are not a victim you are not in the place of the victim but you are, you are more in the witness I feel it's very important not to carry any anger, basically, about somebody or something that happened before. Because this is kind of manual for the ego mind. You know, and it comes up and like, oh, he did this to me, he did this, this happened, that happened. And somehow goes on. Yeah. That's why forgiveness, you forgive and you let it go. <coughs> that helps to, you can say, to to calm the intellect. And you stay present.
not in some memory somewhere even the memory of the past is in the present moment something may happen it, it does not mean that everything will be perfect or anything like this no some things may happen but you know you're not you're not a victim of what is happening anymore the nature of the psychological mind is that it victimizes you know it makes you a victim you say no this happened to me that happened to me why is this happening to me why life do this to me some pain comes you know, it it's always a victim of what is happening outside you can see that in many you can see well learned men you know they have learned a lot they have a lot of experience but still the system is there is a victim of the system when someone says something is not right when someone says that something is wrong he is actually making the self assertion that he is right and that is the very nature of ego mind for it always something is wrong the ego mind needs an opponent because without an opponent it does not exist so when you come aware of your own mind you see then you are actually you come to see like oh my god this is how i'm actually fueling the misery in me and you are actually you stop feeding it <coughs> anger comes you know some anger for some reason if you go and try to treat the anger you are giving reality to the anger if someone comes to me and says you know i'm feel angry i feel you know this is i don't attend to the anger i say look you know look let's look who is the one who is angry let's not address the misery let's address the one who is suffering is this one true actually that's more clean and straight cut the only way out of the misery is to see the very very mechanism that fabricates the misery if i am giving some technique or method to deal with the fear or to to deal with the anger or suffering whatever then i'm actually i'm reinforcing his or her idea that he is suffering and the only way to come out of it is to recognize the unreality of it is it true because this one is also observed the one who is angry the one who is feeling bad about something the one who is seemingly troubled or disturbed is also observed 
It's very simple. If you follow the cue, it's very simple. In the line of perception, you can only be the subject. You cannot be something which is which you're observing. Largely, we are all mixed up. You see, we don't know what is what. In our own experience, we don't know where we are. We are our our sense of existence is mixed up with experiencing. So, you can say a, a, a tool. Enquiry is a tool to detach your pure beingness out of the entanglement of psychological experiencing. And that is by focusing the mind, by reverting your attention relentlessly. You look and say, who am I actually? The eye, I can see it, but who is this one who is seeing? When you apply it like this, it becomes more and more clear. It can be sound a bit strange in the beginning. But if you apply it, it's actually a very simple thing. And the mind, you can say the ego mind, it, uh, it does not want to be seen also. So it will try every possible trick for you not to see it. You can say the ego mind is afraid, he's terrified of freedom. In a way he's terrified of your pure, pure beingness. So it will come up with all sorts of tricks. But you can, if you really persist in the inquiry, you come to overcome those tendencies of the mind. But as long as there is some interest in, in retaining the, the person, then it will take a little time because, you know, it will take you back into it and becomes a little mental. But if you can just by the clarity of understanding, it's not mental understanding, just by recognizing the, the unreality of it, when you expose that mechanism in yourself, it begins to lose its power. When it is not recognized by habit actually, mostly we are not consciously energizing it, it is just that it is it is a program you know it's more like a program and we all run in that on that program and any idea to override that program is also part of the program so enquiry is is it's more like it's it's a way of self remembrance you see the belief that i am this body mind that that is the root of limitation and the very key of your, your freedom lies in how clearly you can remember what is true. You are the witness. It is not really, it's not very accurate in saying that, but it's more like to recognize the witnessing principle. That is why such questions are given, can you? Who's seeing actually? So question everything. In the inquiry, you question everything. Don't take anything for granted. Question everything. And it's not a mental questioning. You're actually questioning yourself. Who is observing? And this me who seems to see everything, this me is also seen. So who sees this me? So the mind will come and say, 
Oh yes, yes, uh, there is another me. <laughs> it will play all kind of tricks. It's like you you stir the hornet's nest. You know, it will go crazy when you when you engage it, and that is the efficiency of the of the inquiry. No other practice or no other tool addresses uh, the the root issue uh, straight away. Every other practice, the final question, the ultimate question, remains to be solved. And the ego somehow updates into a meditator, into a practitioner, into a more spiritual person, into a healer or whatever, whatever. Which is all, which also could be different phases of your journey, but it can also all become very strong identification. But in this inquiry, you're going, you're confronting it straight away. And that is meditation in its purest, direct, unadorned terms. That is meditation. It is to see what you are not. And that is what clarity is just a consequence of it. Please. Um, I, I noticed that uh, one of the most persistent things in my mind is the, the voice that telling me that I have to do certain things. Mm. The more distance I create between the mind, the more I realize that there are very few to none obligations to things that you really have to do. Mm. Uh, which uh, should lead to freedom, mm. as in freedom you can do whatever you want, you don't have to do anything, because it's the ego mind that tells you what to do. Mm. So it should feel like freedom, but I, right at this moment, I feel more like a, like a, a, a fear, a fear for the unknown. Like, okay, now that there are no obligations anymore, uh, what to do next? Since the obligations were always the, 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 main, <laughs> the main driver. <laughs> Mm. So that's, uh, that's something I'm noticing at the, this moment. Like, I, I guess, kind of a fear for the unknown. Like, what, what happens if you let it completely go? Okay, so um, let's look a little deeper. Yeah. Can you be the known? Can I be the no. Can you be the known? Can I be the known? The, the what? Can, can the I... Oh, no. Yeah, be the known. The fear of the unknown, yes? Mm-hmm. But this I, who's afraid of the unknown, mm-hmm. is also known. Yeah. Yes? Yes? So that which knows this I, can that be known? So basically, are you the known or are you the unknown? Right, because the fear of the unknown derives also from the ego. Yes. Yeah. The ego is terrified by unknown. Mm-hmm. It is, in a way, it is the mechanism that keeps you in the realm of the known. The very idea that you are treading into an unknown realm, it is it is terrific for the for the mind. That means to leave all what you're familiar, the, the very realm of familiarity, you're leaving behind all what you know. 
And this I, actually what we are referring to, is a sum total of all that I know. What you are referring to the ego mind, you see. It is nothing but a bundle of whatever is experienced and whatever is known. And that mechanism, it simply cannot accept the unknown. It is impossible for it to accept them. So the immediate way of tackling the fear is to look and see the one who is afraid, is it true? The fear for unknown, whose fear is it? Because that one is also, you know it, you see, you are already, you are aware of the fear, you are aware of the one who is afraid, but you who is aware, who are you? The, that cuts you straight to the end of the end of the move actually and that is where you catch the mind you see by questioning the reality of that idea is it true actually look and see for yourself in reality you are the unknown you can only be the unknown what you are you can never know it's impossible Anything that can be known is other than you. But you see, the, it plays a trick that it believes itself to be the known. Then it will say, I'm afraid of the unknown. But is it true? Look and clarify it right away. A simple cue, you see, any, any mind question you can apply, whatever you can think of, whatever you can perceive, whatever you can see, is not who you are. Nothing perceived is you. You are the perceiver. You are the seer of all this. <laughs> in reality, you see, you are not in the mind, you see, the mind is in you. First, you have to uh, correct the position from where you're seeing, you see. In order to correct that position, first everything is negated. That it is, you're looking and confirming that none of this is me. Otherwise, duality and non-duality is just an idea. To come to the very experience, you can say, of non-dual awareness, the I has to, has to come off from the realm of name and forms. That, that, is, that is sort of clear to me, mm. but I was, uh, I was uh, 
since I see the forms, it can't be separate from me. It is not separate from you. In the sense, the you as, you can say, the very ground of experience. Yeah. It is the same in everyone. And there is no, in, in no this place, yeah, in this no place, words. there is no idea that I am this. Yeah. You, all you could say is I am. Yeah. And that is actually the most intuitive sense in everyone that you exist, is I am. You can say that is the root of existence, is the I am. And it is the same one, the, we use different words, the witness, the seer, the perceiver. The pure perceiver, the pure witness, is none other than the I am, who appears in different bodies and who goes through different play. But the seeing of the I am, you see, it's formless seeing. It is not an objective seeing. So there is a shift in place. You are not looking from the, the compartment of body-mind anymore. You are looking from another place, a deeper space, but it's a more a vast immensity there. And from there you can see the person. There, from there you can see your own person. You, you see time actually. You're witnessing time and it's unfolding. But you are unaffected by time. And what is unaffected by time is timeless, is eternal. Neither did you come from anywhere, nor do you have to go anywhere. You are eternally here, now. Yes. This is the only permanent link in all, throughout of the whole movie, you see, is the you who is watching the movie. But in this place of seeing, there is no one here. You can't find you as a person here. It's, it's formless, imageless witnessing, clear seeing, you know. pure witnessing. He's not involved in the movie. He's not uh, making an analysis of the, of the director, of the film set. None of this is there. <laughs> it's a multidimensional movie. You're also actively involved in it. You're experiencing. You can you sense everything. But at the same time, you're, you're the detached witness of what is happening. For the mind is not a very um, interesting thing to say like it's just empty here and you watch. But it's not just emptiness, you know, these are just words we use, but it is, in fact, it is pure intelligence. It is pure intelligence. It is the very source of all that moves. And that is the joy in that, in that for a while you co you're confirming it, you're seeing and you're actually confirming that, wow, 
actually there is nobody here. So through that remembrance, you can say, that confirmation is a self-remembrance, through that the personal noise is dying away. You come to see it's it's so irrelevant, the me and my story and whatever is happening. The real you is the very ground, the very substratum of all movements, but itself unmoving, unchanging. And the awareness of the beingness is bliss. The more you come awake to the to the only fact, you can say. And it's just you, you, you lose a lot, you're being flooded by bliss. And naturally you feel a lot of love for everything around you. It's just, uh, you can say, it's just a natural mind is like this. It can never do anything to harm anyone. The natural state is like this. No one has to teach it. It is untaught, unconditioned. No one has to tell him moralities. He is not operating by a set of rules anymore. But spontaneous, just life, responding to life. So basically you stop to think in terms of gain and loss. The one who has stopped to think in terms of gain and loss is a truly non-violent man. You won with life. And life is revealing in you the, you can say, the magnificence, the singularity of existence. And you see it in everything. And that is tremendously joyful. So where do you start? We can only start from this well, moment. I mean is, you know, little, little things like, oh, this is here, and that's the opposite, and mm. the receiver, and the receiver, and but how to start, you know, like, I'm being very, very quiet for a long time today. Mm. <laughs> yes, yes. And um, there's nothing. Yes, just nothing to see. I don't see anything. So, from what point on will you be aware of the things you are aware of? So, you see nothing, you said? Yeah, so if I'm in silence, mm-hmm. not judging. Nothing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. Okay. And are you able to stay like this all through your day? No, I'm, I'm just, no, no way. I have to. <laughs> 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 no, but I'm, I'm just curious about, uh, you know, I, I, won't, I won't feel that bliss on the spell. So, <coughs> so I, I just, you know, listening to you all, uh, for a couple of hours, being very quiet. I don't have a cue where to start at mm. this point. So I start with being very quiet, observing without observing, observing mm. without judging. Mm-hmm. Uh, and where does it 
So, yeah, I'll rewind it this way that you like you told us just now, non-violent. Uh, you see, all this, you don't have to think about these things. Okay, these are no, these are just consequences of the recognition. Yeah. Yeah. The bliss is not the goal. Mm-hmm. The, the being non-violent is not the goal. Being good and righteous, none of this is the goal. No, the goal is to be who you are, in mm-hmm. simple terms. And being who you are is to stop being what you are not. Yes. yes. How to stop to be what you are not? Is to see what you are not. If you are to apply it right now, in this very moment, yes, if you are engaging the inquiry, yes, you are looking and seeing, is this me, the one who is wanting, you can say, who is wanting the bliss, who is looking for the bliss, or who is even wanting the experience of oneness, mm-hmm. even is this one, is it true? I, I, I understand what you mean, but what I mean is, uh, when do you recognize the moment of oneness or bliss or whatever name you give it? You can... So what's, how, how to recognize what you're telling us? The very recognition of this, you see, that's what I'm trying to put across, the very recognition of this, yes, it happens when whatever shrouds it, whatever is, is blocking, blocking it is removed. So it is not a how, the mind asks how to see it, you see. But it is also, it is also a veil in front of it. It takes some reverse engineering, mm-hmm. you can say. There is a reversal of, of energies, or if you focus, and, and you are looking and seeing like, okay, you are catching the mind like that. Every move, the very attempt you have already left, because you see, the inquiry starts in this moment. If it begins, it is beginning in the now, and you will finish. No one can say how long it will take. Maybe you finish in a day, maybe in a hundred years or ten years. But the moment you finish, you are in the now. The inquiry is a tool to finish the inquirer. It's, it's a question, it, in reality it has no answer. The question, who am I, it has no answer. Because you are the answer. Then who is the questioner? You see? When you look, when you question the questioner, you're actually removing the idea of the one who is trying to find. It begins now. You can, at any moment, you can only begin now. So how to begin is to question that, even that idea that I have to find this. Is this idea, even this is true? Because where is the root of that idea? It comes from the assumption that I am not in this state. I am not in this state. Yes, is this assumption, is it true? Because the very assumption that I am a person is at the root of root of all search. Mm-hmm. And you can say the moment it is finished is when you come to see that I am not this person. 
perhaps that is when it begins also that you're beginning to discover the depth of your being because you make room for the unknown in application it's simple if you can just look and see i can see all this now i'm observing all this but who is actually observing i can only be the observer i can see all this but who is observing who's the seer It's a question to check with yourself. In reality, it should not it will not even take another step. It should not take another moment. You see, but the nature of the mind is that it does not want you to see it. the mind likes the journey it doesn't it doesn't want to arrive <laughs> because even the belief that you know it's like the fish going looking for water why would the fish go look for water yes you see only if the fish imagine itself to be something else it can even think of going looking for the water somehow when it comes to this it is like this you see that is why you strike at the root of that belief the very idea the me the very the starting point the assumption of i is the truth that's how you clear through the jungle of delusion you don't have to you don't need a a sword or a machete to hack through if alone you can look and see that it is an illusory jungle then you don't need a machete <laughs> but if you can look and see you see to discern what is what to recognize the illusoriness of what we take ourselves to be we when we give it to the mind you know the because somehow we are so we are so programmed as mental entities so our approach is always very mental you know that is why such questions are given can the seer be seen if you engage it it is an end of the road question it has no answer the mind cannot come up with an answer because whatever the mind comes up with you are here to see it now can the seer be seen very simple question it is just another way of asking who am i but this is in the line of perception you're looking and seeing
the I who is perceiving and even the I who wants a method to come free of this, even this is it true. The fact is you are actually witnessing all this. The very idea that that I have to come out of this or I have to experience the oneness of fullness. You're actually already witnessing it. It's like being home, you set about, you set out looking for the way home. But all along you are here. Just an old dream continues. That's why some negation is required in the beginning. Negation is to say, for some people, they have to say it to themselves. No, not this, not this. It's not a new method, it's a very ancient approach. You can say it's, it's a more a positive assertion. I'm not this, I'm not this. For a while you may have to, to, to recognize things like that. Because in the very negation you're actually making the self-assertion, I am. When you say I'm not this, you say I am actually. When you say I am this, you're actually denying your, your true self. And it's a very deep-rooted habit that we go on taking reference from the I am this body. In a way it is, it can never be found, you see. It can never be found because it can never be lost. It is not a finding the way we are familiar with. You cannot find it. There is no one there to find it. There is no one there to claim it. There is no one there to experience it. You can only come awake to it. You can only recognize it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> in the beginning, there is some effort, of course. The effortlessness comes in the more the natural state of mind is the effortless mind. Otherwise, you know, the mind always uh, can mislead you with such simple statements. It's like no, no effort. No, in the beginning, there is some effort. That effort is only in recognizing what you are not. And that is all the effort is needed. And somehow that takes some sincere you can say a ripeness, you can say that it's a, it's a certain ripeness. Otherwise, it's not possible to, to recognize things like that. As long as there is some interest in comfort and convenience or there are ambitions, so to say, we will not be able to direct our looking in that way. It 
you see that's in a way that's what it means true self love it's not really to love yourself and as a me 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 you know <laughs> and not becoming lovely me you know lovely me is also a trap <laughs> the me is the trap whichever way we dress it is a trap the spiritual me the lovely me and whatever me you know it is just to recognize that trap to recognize the self to love the self you see that means whatever you love you put your attention in it to love yourself to pay attention to actually what is perceiving on this can the seer be seen that question alone is sufficient but that you know it's, it takes all your attention if you put in that one question and it it points you directly to where you are can the seer be seen you who is seeing all this can you be seen it is pointing you right to the truth has to be no can it be otherwise yeah. <laughs> you see there is me and me i feel alone so i seek companionship yeah. mm? and my happiness becomes de- i become dependent on the companion and when the companion is gone i suffer so is this i who feel lonely and who seeks a companionship and who derives a sense of gratification from that companionship and who eventually suffers when that companionship is taken away is desire true yeah. so you don't find any of these or you don't find this but it's already there and you're just discovering it yes 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 and it is not a personal recognition you see it is more the more the recognition that there is no person and you stop and all that is relevant to that idea of peace and loneliness and happiness and all the whole thing vanishes out of the picture yeah. and it's just like a solid mass of awareness a mass not really the right word but just awareness is there in reality you are all alone all this is nothing but you whatever you are looking whatever you see is nothing but you wherever you are you simply are there is nothing in this universe other than you the very notion of other you see comes from the idea that i am this body mind we imagine ourselves to be a point in in time and we give ourselves a certain volume of the body and all imagination comes from that you are alone but you are not lonely <laughs> so that in the you can say in the in the dynamic world 
so you may still have relationships or things like that, but you, nothing can catch you after that. You come to see the very play of the ego mind, how it tries to grab onto experiences. And you come to see that all this is just nonsense. So you accept as things come, and when things go, you don't, you don't grieve. Because you come to see it is an illusory dance of, of just, just life. Things come, go. Your own body. You're not looking at life as a series of events anymore. You see it, but none of it is a measurement of who you are. You are the timeless now. It's simple and everything happens, just uh, everything continues naturally. But something comes genuine in it. Something comes in line. And you are at ease in any situation. Feel natural. It's not you coming to a place and you're not thinking like, oh, how I should be and how I should behave. So all this mind play just goes out of the thing. Because there is no more self-image. You're not protecting, you're not pouring in energy into protecting a self-image anymore. So basically, you come free from insecurity. You're not insecure about anything. And it is impossible for to be unhappy. Because this happiness, it can never be disturbed by anything at all. And no calamity, no torture can take it away also. It's simply impossible. So you're not, you know, the, the shift is that you come, it's more like a shift from a state of person to, it's more like a conscious presence. The state of person is constantly wanting and fearing. And constantly the person asserts the sense of doership and you can say enjoyership. These are the two things uh, the ego mind constantly keep asserting. I'm doing all this, I'm enjoying all this. I'm doing this, I want this. <laughs> so the whole thing, you come to a different realm altogether. Not biased to anything. Something responds genuinely in every situation. You're not operating based on a stored-up philosophy or anything. No? It's just simple. Because you don't identify with anything, there is ample energy. At any moment, life opens a door. You go that way. You come to see that nothing is yours. There is nothing to hold on to. You remain fresh throughout, throughout all experience, you remain fresh. So all these questions, how are you, and all this, just lose all relevance to you. <laughs> you still ask people, but for you, you don't have a really an answer for it. You just say, ah, yeah, good. But you're also seeing the superficiality of it at the same time. Yeah.
Because you are the same always. Nothing changed in reality. You see the true peace, the true peace, there is no one there to keep it. There is no keeper of the peace, in the true peace. As long as it is my peace, I will lose it. <laughs> if it is my happiness, uh, I will lose it. The true peace, the true home, it is none other than you. You and home is the same thing. It's like each step uh, the traveler disappears. It's like this. <laughs> the one who is in an adventurous journey back home, each step is coming less and less and less and fine. Wow, I've always, always been here. <laughs> it's a paradox, but it's a It's a beautiful joke, in a way. <laughs> and when you come to see the joke, you become very playful in the, in the play. Yeah? And you come to see actually nothing is so serious. Yes, 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 yes. You see, in the beginning, it may come as a glimpse of it. It's like once you have a taste of it, then you're able to discern it among all experience. And for a while, you're confirming. For a while, you're confirming that. Because in the beginning, there's all kind of questions come. It's like, really, is it true? Can it be true? No way, no way it is not true. <laughs> things like that. No? But slowly, slowly, the more you begin to pay attention and you come to see, actually, it's not going anywhere. What comes and goes is you. Now that shift, it will not happen instantly. It can also happen instantly, but usually that takes some practice, we can say. And the practice is fundamentally that. It is that which enables consciously your shifting realm. You know. So after a while it becomes so natural to you. You are always in it. And at uh, every now and then a personal reaction or something may come, but you see it. <laughs> you see. It's 
So after a point it becomes very natural and you are fully, as you stabilize in it fully. Then there is no need to recognize it at all. Then what you actually recognize is when a personal move comes, you recognize it. Mm-hmm. <coughs> and it's as though like, you know, you're somehow you're deepening you know, in that process, if we may call it like that. For a while there is a maturing and deepening into it. In the beginning it is totally the unfamiliar to a great extent. And all sort of questions come, like I said, you know, is it really true? No, no, it cannot be. <laughs> Things like that. But as you begin to notice it, you become more stable in the sea. For myself, it was happening in a strong fashion for how things were unfolding. I did not have a choice. It was as though I catch fire. It was as though I catch fire. (laughs) So I didn't have a choice. In the beginning, yes, it was uh, it was not very pleasant. <laughs> what made it unpleasant? It's like you see, basically, whatever you take yourself to be is crumbling. You see, that's not very pleasant. In the experience of the person, it is not very pleasant. You see. But what is true need not be pleasant. Mm -hmm. What is true is true. Pleasant or unpleasant is our (laughs) interpretation. (laughs) But largely we go looking for what is pleasant. So I was a photographer at that time. And I was was very passionate about this. And I was dreaming to be a filmmaker. This shift was happening at that time. But what happened after was, I had no, I never had any interest in this line. It was not even in, in in the realm of my interest. But what happened after that, it was a little bit strange. <laughs> there is a poem called Shaper Shaped. Shaper Shaped. Shaper, the one who's shaping things was shaped by something else. Mm-hmm. Days gone by, I used to be a potter who would feel his fingers yielding patterns on the moulding clay. Now that pride has died away, I have ceased to be the potter and learned to be the clay. <laughs> Other days I used to be a dreamer who would hurl on either side an insolence of emerald or pearl. Now that I'm kneeling at the feet of the Supreme, I've ceased to be a dreamer and learned to be the dream. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Did you write 
No, no. It was from someone else. <laughs> but in a way, that's when the artist gets a glimpse of the real artist, mm-hmm. you see. And until then, I thought it was me. It was beautiful things were happening. I was like, wow. And a very powerful experience happened. And I thought it was me also. <laughs> but then, So it can happen in different ways to different people. So it's usually if the resistance is is strong, then it can happen in a stronger fashion. So in my case, it was a little bit like that. Otherwise, it can be also very smooth, and it's only how strongly you are identified. I was very sure I was a photographer, so <laughs> I was given a high dose to. <laughs> to see, you know. But in simple terms it comes down to this. The more you let go that idea, actually, all that you let go is what what you think you know and what you think you are. Not easy, but somehow that is where we really find the the true happiness. There is no other place you find happiness. There is no happiness in the outside world. There is some stimulation, sensory stimulation, which we usually refer to as happiness. It's also an expression of happiness, but there is no... nothing lasts. And you're always, the happiness is dependent on an object of experience, either something or someone. And being unaware of the, the transience of, of human experience, we tend to cling on to the experience. And misery comes. You know. Life, you know, it's just intelligence and beauty. Sometimes it is not easy, the test we are put to, put through, but uh, in the grand play, uh, nothing is out of place. It's just too immense, it's just too immense. It's, it's beyond any possible apprehension, yes. And in that, you coming into that immensity, you become very humble and very thankful to be a little tiny fragment of the grand play. And eventually coming to recognize that you are, in fact, the source of this incomprehensible play. (coughs) A happy man does not look for happiness, no? (laughs) If you're truly happy, you will not look for happiness. It's a little bit like this. So when you naturally, when you're in a 
in a very positive state all the time. You're not actively chasing anything. So you feel content. And somehow it is only when we come to recognize the fact of who we are, only then we can truly enjoy the play. Otherwise we are so uh, we are so immersed in a fiction. It's just me and my story and you know, my past and my future. It's like, you know, you first we should recognize our formless nature and then you can also be in the play of forms. Then you are in the opposites without any opposition. So to, to recognize that, you don't have to try and understand this and that and none of this. It's just, you just have to look at you, you in the sense that one small alphabet that holds the key. <laughs> it's called I and the one who observes the I. That is the key to to endless joy. <laughs> I understand you are married, right? Yeah, she's my wife. Yeah. So now, now I you observe the motion of change, you know, for a while you observe slowly, gradually, the, the unchanging emerges, because it is, an, it is actually an obvious fact that for everything to move, there has to be something which is not moving. It is logic in a way, if I can use that word. But it is too simple for, for the mind to accept it. What's complex? Sorry? You say it's too simple for the mind 
accept it because you know the mind is a is a complex instrument. You know, you can say the entity is a very complex structure. The entity cannot accept that level of simplicity. The truth is not is not uh, is actually very simple. But it, you, only when you, you, you grasp it, only when you come to that level of simplicity. Only when you're rid of all complexities. It's, it's, you can say only innocence can recognize it, not cleverness. Mm-hmm. The mind is a very clever mechanism, but the being is just pure, it's innocent. You know? Like a child, it comes to see it like this. Everything, when it is in its appropriate place, everything is fine. It's the same for the mind. If it is in its right place, it is fine. And the right place for the mind is, 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 is to be a good servant of, of the being. Then it is only an instrument, an apparatus through which the self can experience and express and taste. But when we are we are not aware of the self, the mind assumes in charge and he's a politician. <laughs> he's, he's to divide and rule, you see. He always makes that division, you see. You are the victim and there is the world. There's always something is off. It's a constant fight, you know. So in a way, in the spiritual process is somehow to reinstall the true king. Once it is recognized and the mind has to, to bring the mind to, to right in front of the truth. It's impossible. When you come right in front of it, it is impossible. You run out of moves. And then, you see, usually in spiritual tradition, what is referred to as a devotion is basically this, that the mind coming more and more humble and devoted to the truth. It is only an apparatus. <coughs> So in a way, all that you learn actually is how not to interfere with life. And if you don't molest life, actually everything is happening just fine. But there's a lot of culturing and programming goes into us, you know, based on human values and that we are constantly pushing, trying to push life around.
you function, everything happens, but inside, just total serenity, it remains inside, and it is there in everyone. It need not be brought from elsewhere. If alone we pay enough attention, it emerges. It's like our focus is largely in the foreground of movements, so we don't see what is in the background. So meditation or spiritual process is nothing but a shift in attention. And that is why such a question is very powerful. Who is seeing actually? If you can just catch that one thing is enough. We don't need a lot of kriyas and a lot of... Uh, you don't need to stand on your head to, uh, to figure this out. There's nothing to figure out actually. <laughs> if you just see that, it is so obvious. It takes some time to accept it, but it is obvious. Who is the one who is seeing? Who is the seer? All your judgments, projections, imaginations, sensations, memory and feelings, all this is seen. Who are you? Is it true that there is an entity called me who is controlling and who is trying to navigate through life? Is it true? This way when you engage it, you expose the unreality of it. Be good? Okay. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to share? Thank you. Thank you for joining. Thank you. Thank you all for your participation. This is some real form of benefit on the bar, so you can put your name and email address, so you can stay informed about upcoming satsangs and also retreats. Thank you for participation. Thank you. Thank you.